0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If you are new here, I am your host, Mallory Page. I'm a registered dietitian, and this podcast is all about answering your nutrition, wellness, fitness questions in a non-diet way because there is so much noise out there. It can be so hard to know what to listen to, what not to listen to. And that's what this podcast can hopefully help you to discern whether or not you want to, first of all, listen to something and believe that it is something that you think is truthful, but also decide how you want to incorporate it into your life. I am so excited to chat with you guys today because this is an episode I've had planned since the very beginning of this podcast. Because I was kind of seeing this and starting to encounter people that were doing this. But honestly, I try to put out podcasts each week that are coinciding with what's currently being asked the most through my DMs that I'm seeing on TikTok, that I'm seeing on Instagram, so that they're answering the questions that you're currently having. And this was just something that I had seen a lot, but wasn't really coming up in those spaces. And then literally as of last week like a week from last Wednesday, I got, I think, 10 questions about this. I got questions about it in my Live Unrestricted group. I got questions about it through my DMs. I saw it all over my TikTok, and I was like, it's time. It is time to talk about seed cycling and cycle syncing. This is a topic that I want to say off the bat is going to have a lot of opinions surrounding it. And a lot of the time with my audience, because most of you, well, not all of you guys, but some of you guys come from my Instagram, which if you're just a podcast listener and you want to check out my Instagram, it's always linked in the show notes. But my community is really targeted towards women that are trying to see things in a non-diet perspective. Maybe they've struggled with disordered eating or an eating disorder or body image in the past. And so when I post topics that are from the non-diet perspective on my podcast, most of the time y'all are really on board with that. You know, you're kind of thinking in the same way and maybe just wanting that opinion validated. But I feel like seed cycling and cycle syncing is one of those things. It's very personal and everyone has their own journey with their menstrual cycle, maybe PMDD. And they just feel like, I think a lot of people feel as if their experiences with this have been either very positive or very negative or something in between those two things. And so by sharing what I'm going to share today, I am not trying to discount your experience. I'm going to share all sides of this. It is not biased to one direction. And then I will also, of course, always share my personal pros and cons and opinions at the end as well as suggestions on what I think you should do if you are considering this for any number of reasons. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. I will say I've been having some problems with my speech the last two days. I was in my live unrestricted call and unfortunately one of the women in the group who's from New Zealand. How cool is that, right? She they had a cyclone in her area. And she was sharing that in our initial call portion with the wins of the week and challenges of the week. And I answered and I said, oh my gosh, that's such a bummer that you had a cyclops. Mic drop, but not in a good way. So let's hope that doesn't happen too much in this episode. Without further ado now, let's actually get into it. So what the heck is seed cycling? Seed cycling is an alternative medicine practice that encourages people to track their menstrual cycle and eat specific seeds at different points in their cycle. It is mostly touted as something that can support hormones and typically claims to regulate cycle, minimize unwanted menstrual effects, effects, and it was allegedly popularized by in 2012 by naturopathic practitioner Lindsay Just Wine. I am not great in name pronunciation, so I'm sorry if I didn't get that quite right. Now, cycle syncing is somewhat of an extension of seed cycling, to be honest. I don't know which came first. If I had to guess, I think seed cycling was first and cycle sinking was basically the expanded version of seed cycling because in cycle sinking, you also do workouts and work and pretty much everything in your life to align yourself to your cycle. So instead of just doing the seeds, you're doing all of these other things. In the first part of this podcast, I'm going to focus more on seed cycling. And then on the second half, I'm going to focus on cycle syncing. And I actually do have specific thoughts about both of these things. So just keep that in mind as I'm going through this. So more about the menstrual cycle. So the follicular phase, the ovulation phase, and the luteal phase are actually the three phases of the menstrual cycle. So menstruation is not necessarily a phase of the menstrual cycle, and I'll explain why in a second, but those, it's typically like lumped in with those phases, Anyways, so the follicular phase, it starts on the first day of your period of your full 28-day cycle, and it lasts for 13 to 14 days, and it ends in ovulation. During this time, your pituitary gland in the brain is releasing a hormone to stimulate the production of follicles on the surface of the ovary. So usually one, actually only one, follicle will mature into an egg, is what I meant to say. So then we have ovulation. This is actually not a part of seed cycling, but it is obviously very important. And this is when luteinizing hormone raises and the egg is released. So this is when if you are trying to get pregnant, for example, when you're ovulating, this is when you have the best chance of actually getting pregnant and having that egg be fertilized. Again, not specifically a part of seed cycling, but good to keep in mind. Then we have the luteal phase, which is a part of seed cycling. So, during this phase, the luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone levels decrease. So, they go down. The ruptured follicle closes after the egg and it forms a corpus luteum, which produces progesterone. So, in this time, you can see that your hormones are shifting and that's what's most important to note. So, the luteal phase and the follicular phase are what you're cycling the different seeds to. And then we also have our menstrual cycle. So if the egg was not fertilized during the ovulation phase, the corpus luteum degenerates and no longer produces progesterone, and the estrogen levels decrease. The top layers of the lining break down and are shed, and that shedding leads to menstrual bleeding. This is the start of a new menstrual cycle. So that's why when they say like the menstrual cycle has those three phases, the follicular, ovulation, and luteal, you are seed cycling during the follicular and luteal. The ovulation is something to make note of, especially for people that are trying to get pregnant. The menstrual cycle is the beginning of a new phase when the egg is not fertilized. Obviously, if the egg is fertilized, that's a whole different story on on the road to pregnancy, right? So that's just to give you a sense of what is happening during your menstrual cycle. And there is a lot of hormone fluctuation. So there's a graph that you could look up that shows you when your period is, when ovulation is, and how much estrogen, luteinizing hormone, and progesterone are changing during this time. And those changes in your hormones are what mostly are affecting how we feel during our menstrual cycle. So now that we have an idea of what your cycle looks like, let's talk about what seed cycling itself is. So during phase one of seed cycling, you are having one tablespoon of raw ground pumpkin seeds and one tablespoon of raw ground flax seeds each day from day one of your period until the day before you ovulate. So this would be that follicular phase until your ovulation phase. And for most people, this should be about two weeks within a 28-day cycle. So it's half of that time, about 14 days. Then you go into phase two of seed cycling, which involves eating one tablespoon of raw ground sunflower seeds and one tablespoon of raw ground sesame seeds per day from the day of ovulation until the day before the first day of your period. And phase two also lasts about two weeks out of the 28-day cycle, so around 14 days. So really, in the ideal world, it is a 28-day cycle that you are having for menstruation, and you split this half and half into two phases with different seeds that you're having in both phases. So pretty simplistic overall. But now I'm sure you're wondering why they chose the seeds that they did. So let's talk about why they chose the ones that they did. Starting off with our phase one seeds, we have flax seeds. So flax seeds include abundant dietary compounds known as phytoestrogens. The type of phytoestrogens in seeds are known as lignans. In flax seeds, the lignan thought to have an impact on a woman's hormonal health is termed SDG. There is a long form name of that. I cannot pronounce it to save my life, but SCG is good enough for our purposes, right? And these phytoestrogens have a chemical structure that mimics the chemical structure of estrogen. So some believe that these phytoestrogens and flax seeds can have estrogenic or anti-estrogenic effects in the body. So helping to produce estrogen or take estrogen away. Now our second seed in phase one is pumpkin seeds. So in the pumpkin seeds, zinc is said to help boost follicle stimulating hormone, also known as FSH, which can help initiate ovulation. FSH is a hormone that spikes at the very end of the follicular phase, which communicates to the ovaries to prepare for ovulation. And this process then supposedly leads to the production of progesterone for the luteal phase. In simpler terms, it is thought that flax seeds can help balance estrogen levels, while pumpkin seeds help prepare for the luteal phase. In the luteal phase, the lignin found in sesame seeds, sesame, is thought to aid the inhibition of estrogen production in hopes to keep progesterone levels at par. Then lastly, our second phase 2 seed, along with sesame seeds, is vitamin E in sunflowers, well, it's sunflower seeds, and that have vitamin E and it's claimed that these can help to boost progesterone levels. So those are the whys behind the seeds and the reasons why they were chosen. But now the most important thing that we need to do is get into the research specifically on seed cycling. I have done a deep dive on this research, guys. I have scoured the internet and articles that have also done the same thing, looked at new research, looked at old research, and this is the most telling research that I could find. And this is also the research, as I checked on different sites that sell seed cycling products or promote seed cycling products, This is most of what they also use. So there was one small study of 18 women, which I just want to say 18 women is a minuscule sample size. I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that the results can tell us something, but when we look at actual sizes of studies, 18 is like, if we're talking like a one to a hundred scale. 18 is like a two out of 100 in terms of sample size. I mean, it is very, 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 very small. So in the study, though, these women were encouraged to eat their normal diet for three cycles and then consume flax seeds along with their typical diet during the next three cycles. And they compared the data of the second and third cycles to the fifth and sixth to allow the diet to begin to take effect. And that first uh, cycle and the fourth cycle when they were doing the shifting. And the researchers found that there were a total of three inovulatory cycles among the 36 cycles that women experienced before eating flax seeds. And then there were no inovulatory cycles after. So you may be thinking, okay, what is an inovulatory an- cycle? This is when the egg is not released from the ovary during a menstrual cycle, and it is normal for a woman to experience a few inovulatory cycles in her lifetime. So, this essentially means that none of the women skipped ovulation when they were consuming flax seeds. This is important in the sense that, ideally, we do not want those inovulatory cycles to happen. So, this is a cool study and definitely something that is promising for researchers to see because many times a study like this, it's really small. Maybe it's done with a little bit less funding or, you know, it's not likely a big research study with a lot of income and funding behind it. But if there are promising results from these type of studies, maybe someone else will pick it up and also test these theories because really we can't say much about this and actually apply it to seed cycling or flax seeds at large yet because it's just so small. So very cool, definitely interesting, but we can't say much about it really yet. So another reason behind seed cycling is that vitamin E in sunflower seeds can help increase the amount of progesterone, like I was saying earlier. And there was a study done in 2020 actually that observed the validity of this. So, this was a bigger study. There were 321 women with PCOS who were undergoing ovulation induction using medication to induce ovulation, and those who supplemented with vitamin E had no significant changes in ovulation rate or pregnancy rate than those that did not. Again, with this study, this is not me saying that vitamin E doesn't work for what it is claiming to be working for, which would be increasing the amount of progesterone. This is still a relatively small study. There are not other studies that are replicating it. This was in a specific population, those that are struggling with PCOS. It was looking at ovulation, so it wasn't necessarily studying the exact effect of like that progesterone. So even though this is another helpful research point that we can utilize and look at and say, well, maybe we're not as sure as we think that vitamin E is doing what we think it could be doing. That doesn't mean that we should rule out the effects that vitamin E could have. Okay. There's, this is such new, new, new research. And so that's, what's challenging about cycle syncing right now is that there's just not a lot out there. I will say that I came upon this one website of a brand that sells seed cycling supplements, which seed cycling supplements are essentially the seeds that I was mentioning for each phase ground into a bag or a canister and just made very accessible for you to put them into something and take them each day, which I do think is nice in the terms of convenience, and obviously I get that someone that is selling these products, they want to bring up as much research as possible as to why they, someone should trust them and buy them. There was one site though that used this article, which was called Nutraceutical Intervention of Seeds in the Treatment of Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome. And this was a systematic review where they took a bunch of Articles from, I mean, a lot of years. I'm trying to find the exact year. Yeah, November. Oh, it wasn't even a lot of years. Sorry, November 2020 to March 2021. They, so they used 148 articles, and then a 111 of those were selected. The weird thing about this article is they really just, they essentially said like, okay here is the seed and here's some stuff about the seed and here's what we think that the seed can do. So for example, they said decreases menopausal symptoms, increased quality of life for flaxseed and for a flaxseed oil, increase the level of estrogen, progesterone, and calcium, may alter the levels of endogenous sex hormones. They put all of these claims together and then from these claims, they directly tied them to conclusions and said that the dietary, like the studies that they have reinforce the dietary introduction of seeds at different stages of the mental cycle and how that can play a pivotal role in diminishing symptoms of polycystic ovarian syndrome. I don't typically speak negatively about research articles, but this is so problematic in my opinion. I actually looked through to see if there was a conflict of interest in this study because I could not understand how they published this. You cannot just take a bunch of information that you find out of different articles, put your finding, and then jump to a conclusion. None None of these findings that they had from their research pointed specifically to PCOS. They were not research studies done for PCOS, and yet they said, here's our finding, and this is why we think that it's, you should do it for PCOS. (laughs) Like, that is not okay to do, and it's so misleading for someone that may not be as well-versed in reading research, and that's the only reason why I bring it up, because if you stumble upon this, Please do not think that this is just giving you the green light for the fact that seed cycling 100% is something that can work for PCOS. PCOS is a very challenging, physically and mentally tough syndrome that people deal with. And I feel like it's really inconsiderate, honestly, when researchers try to draw a cause and effect from things that you do not have the research to draw that cause and effect for. This is like saying how they looked at a study and saw that serial killers eat more ice cream. But the reason why serial killers ate more ice cream is because serial killers were killing more in the summer, and in the summer, people eat more ice cream. You can't just say that there's a tie between serial killers and eating ice cream. That would be crazy, right? But you can say that separately in the summer, people eat more ice cream and also serial killers kill more in the summer. So I just wanted to point this out because if you see this, I wanted you to have the information around it. I didn't want you to think I was skipping over it and I don't want to be negative, but I was really, really turned off by that article. So what I want you to take away from this research section here is not that I am saying there is no research that could point to seed cycling being effective. I also don't want to say that there is no research that points to seed cycling being ineffective. There are small research studies for pretty much every one of the seeds to some extent that discusses their ability to play the role that seed cycling is hoping it will play with hormones. But there is also the the reverse to that where, you know, they discuss that they don't play that role and also we just really don't know. So I would say that research on this is just inconclusive at this point. You may wonder why I go so in depth with research too, but I just think it's really important because It drives me literally up the wall how people are just out there on Instagram and TikTok throwing this stuff out there like it has been studied for years and we know 100% that it is the truth. Just because someone speaks on something as if it is 100% accurate or they have one research study that they're utilizing does not mean that they actually know that this is validated and conclusive. So... I'll stop on my research rant because I think that's been enough today, for the day. Now that we've gone through all of this, you really have a good idea about seed cycling, what it is, why you would do it, how you would implement it. But I have this analogy that I think would be really helpful to explain when asking yourself if this is something that you should be doing or if you're really at the right place to be doing it. So before I worked in what I do now, I worked in the field of sports nutrition and we would have athletes come into us, very, very high level athletes, and we would be giving them nutrition recommendations and overall recommendations for their performance. We had somewhat of a hierarchy of needs of sorts or a priorities list around nutrition that is as such hydration, amount of food, type of food, timing of food, supplements. So what does that look like in practice? It looks like us saying, if you are not hydrated enough, if you're not drinking enough water, if you don't have the proper electrolytes that you need, then it really doesn't matter that much what we do with type of food, timing of food, supplements. Obviously, amount of food is still going to affect it, right? But it, it's all paling in comparison if we cannot get you hydrated enough, right? So we had that. Then once we figured out the hydration level, we would go to amount of food, then amount of food, to type of food, timing of food, supplements, all the way up that list. And it's essentially saying that if you don't have those bottom tiers then the tier above that, really the difference it's going to make is going to be negligible and or it's not going to have as much of an effect as we would like. So you're not spending your time that purposefully or intentionally or impactfully if you are trying to fix the timing of your food without drinking enough water or fix the timing of your food if you're not eating the right type or fix the type of food if you're not reading the right amount. I think you guys get the picture. So if I were to put this into the context of what we're talking about seed cycling, what we're talking about with seed cycling, I would say that seed cycling is in the supplements piece of this. And although we're not all athletes, I mean, you could argue that we all are in our own way, right? But we're not all obsessing about performance. Most of us do generally want to feel good. And many of these similar things are... In our own nutrition hierarchies, you know, having enough hydration, having enough food, finding your balance with food, making sure you're eating consistently enough, and then getting into the supplements. So if you're sitting here and you've never had disordered eating before, you have no worries about how this could affect your mental health, and you're asking yourself if you should be doing this, I would first address all of those other tiers before you even start to worry about implementing seed cycling. Because if you're not hitting those other tiers, you're not even going to be able to tell if it's making a difference. All the other things that you're doing are negatively affecting your hormones way more than this seed cycling can help your hormones. So I feel like that's just an important thing to remember whenever we're looking at a new nutrition trend or recommendation or fad. If we don't have the other tiers that we really need, It's not going to be that helpful in how we feel. I hope that analogy was helpful for you if you were questioning this. But I also know that there may be some of you that feel like you are hitting all of the tiers. And so you're at that supplementation phase, which also could be called more of just like small changes type of phase or whatever you want to say. That's more just back to the analogy itself. And I think in those cases, you really need to refer out to the pros and cons and ask yourself the critical questions. So I want to go through a pros and cons list specifically for seed cycling, and then I want to go into cycle seeking because I have very different thoughts on seed cycling versus cycle seeking. So just stick with me as we go through a list of seed cycling pros and cons. So the number one con that I see with seed cycling is that not everybody has a 28 day cycle and not everybody has a cycle in general. I have seen differing advice on what you should do if you don't have a cycle or your cycle is a different length and how you can accommodate seed cycling to that. But there's a lot of variability with it. And I feel like we don't even have conclusive research on if these things work in general. So then we're getting into such little like minute details when it comes to the actual amounts that I feel like it can be very confusing. Number two, seeds can be expensive. I saw this TikTok where someone went and priced this out and I can't remember for the life of me what it was, but I will say it doesn't have to be expensive, especially if you have access to a bulk section somewhere or have kind of what I'll call like a wholesale Seed and nut type of sore. What a weird thing to say. but there there are things like that out there. But at the same time, this woman that was answering it was so put out that someone was saying it was expensive. and it, it gives me bad vibes because people are just so not understanding of how much poverty and challenges with finances are out there in the world. Like, just because seed cycling is however many dollars, that doesn't mean that someone that is, like, working multiple jobs to feed their family can then go and do seed cycling. I mean, there there are people that cannot afford this stuff, can't afford extra expenses, so having to buy seeds that can be quite expensive, it can be challenging for certain people. So, obviously, expenses come with many wellness trends, but it's still something that is important to keep in mind, especially, too, if someone is buying the supplement form, the supplements are obviously marked up as well because they, you know, are more expensive from all the different things that they do to create it. Another thing that I think is just more harmful about the trend itself are the type of claims that people make conclusively that are not conclusive, especially around fertility and PCOS. Women that are trying to become pregnant, struggling with fertility issues, struggling with syndromes or you know, symptoms from different things that affect their menstrual cycle, they're dealing with a lot. And it's not okay to just go out there and make bogus antidotal claims about something and say, oh, seed cycling will help with your fertility. Because that's just not true. You can't apply your experience to someone else. And when someone is trying everything, to improve their symptoms or to get pregnant. It just can be very insensitive to say that these things just create this result that we can't really say create it. And I feel like that brings me to the point that I know you guys are probably already on the nose of from what I've said is there's no research studies that can actually give conclusive results on seed cycling. We just don't know. That does not mean that it's not effective. It doesn't mean that it is effective. It just means we don't know. So you are investing your time and money in something that we're not sure if it will work. And that's just something that's good to know. Now, the pros of it, I do feel like overall seed cycling specifically is pretty harmless because You know, you can really easily just add it in as somewhat like a supplement of the day. If you're not obsessive about it and you're literally just adding in the seeds, it's not a super big life change. And seeds themselves also do have helpful nutrients in them. I mean, seeds are totally beneficial thing to have. There's no harm in having seeds for most people. So it's not like it's going to be something negative that's going to come about necessarily from doing this. Another huge pro is obviously the beneficial experiences that people have had with seed cycling. It's always amazing to me when there is something out there that can help women feel better that is not negatively harming their body or their mental health and I don't want to discount the experience that people experiences that people have shared that, You know, they say seed cycling has really worked for them and it's helped with their acne or how they feel or their symptoms. That's so awesome. And I'm so glad that there is something out there that is relatively harmless that people are able to implement. And I would never want to diminish someone's experience, someone that is menstruating and utilizes this and has beneficial effects. I'm so happy for them. And I also... Know that this is kind of like a random pro, but I do think that things like this that are specific to women are helpful in the fact that it forces there to be research or at least promotes research in women specifically. So, in the field of research, it is most often that men are studied because they quote unquote can't control how menstrual cycles affect their results. And to have something like seed cycling potentially pushing the need for research around women and their menstrual cycles. I think that's really awesome. And I'm excited to see if this is something that leads to more conclusive research, because I would love for women to have a relatively easy to implement way to help with symptoms around their cycles. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? So, those are the pros and cons that I would say about seed cycling. And the only other thing I would just mention is if you feel like this becomes something that is stressful for you because you have a passive disordered eating or you struggle with your mental health, I would always put that mental health first. So, if you find yourself trying this and get into that, just make sure that you consider that it's not that important to keep doing this if it's stressing you out. That brings me to cycle syncing though, (laughs) because I feel like, and this is just my assumption, so I could be wrong. I feel like seed cycling was originated by that woman that I talked about earlier by basically saying, hey, here are these compounds and these seeds that could be helpful to women's menstrual cycle. And they put it together and it became popularized. Then someone else out there said, ooh, Well, what if we applied this to everything in the menstrual cycle? What if we tried to essentially hack our hormones and live our life by our menstrual cycle? I think that when it comes to women taking a stance and trying to make changes in their life to help them feel their best, I always feel excited and supportive of that, but also Cycle syncing specifically, I feel like has become a place of a lot of misinformation and non-backed claims and people talking about it that literally have no credential or actual idea what they're talking about. So, if you're not familiar with cycle syncing, it is different than seed cycling. So, Most of the things that I have seen about cycle syncing is that it is broken up into four phases, so that would include the luteal phase, the ovulatory phase, the follicular phase, and the menstrual phase. And then there are different recommendations for each of those phases. So I want to disclaim that there are actually a lot of people and practitioners that talk about this, most of them nutritionists or quote unquote, hormone experts. And many of them have different or slightly different recommendations for the different phases. So I could be using this resource that is slightly different from what you've seen from another practitioner. But I tried to pick the recommendations that I've seen used the most commonly for the different phases. From what I have seen, most of them have recommendations around food, minerals, what it's a good time for, including work, play, etc., and then movement. So, this guide, quote-unquote, that I found gives an example of what this could look like. I'm not going to go in depth into the specifics, But I'm going to give you an idea of what it looks like for each phase. So, for example, the menstrual phase, they're saying warm, nutrient-dense, digestible food. And there's a whole list of specific foods that you should be eating. It's a good time for meditation, reflecting, journaling, practicing physical self-care. And then movement would be rest or low-impact movements. So a similar type of setup is recommended for the other phases. So for example, follicular just has a list of foods. It doesn't talk about the food temperature. And then it talks about how it's a good time to focus on creative tasks, brainstorm, strategize, learn, and then movement is more cardio-based. Versus ovulatory talks about fiber and raw foods. So back to the food temperature, their whole list of different things. It's a good time for socializing, networking, connecting with others, social media, decision-making. Movement is strength training and high-intensity cardio. And then luteal is light and vibrant food. So that is, that's too much. Um, (laughs) My bias is coming through. And then it's a good time for detail-oriented tasks, quiet wrap-up of projects, organizing, nap time, and hot girl walks, strength-based workouts, light weights, stuff like that. So that's typically what I've seen. Here's my thing. I have very different thoughts about the cycle syncing versus the seed cycling. I feel like seed cycling is something that is relatively simple to add into your life. I can see and understand the reasoning behind why someone could deduce that it could be potentially helpful, even if those claims aren't yet substantiated through research. Cycle syncing to me seems like a bunch of people making a bunch of claims about things that they actually don't really know are true. And I'm not saying if you like cycle syncing that you shouldn't do it, but at the same time, I would ask yourself if it is truly benefiting you and your body more than it is making you obsessive. Because to me personally, which again, this is my personal feelings and I'm not the same as everyone else, this sounds freaking exhausting to me. I in no way want to have to be thinking about my cycle all the freaking time and focusing on the type of foods that I should or should not be having during that time and what tasks I need to be doing and how I need to be moving and what I'm allowed to focus on versus not focus on. Now, am I saying that it's a bad thing to be in tune to your cycle and in tune to your body as a woman? Definitely, definitely not. I definitely I just said definitely so many times, I'm so sorry. I do find myself focusing on certain things during different phases of my cycle. So I agree, during my menstrual cycle, a lot of the time I'm resting, I'm doing very low impact movement. If I can control it, I'm not doing tons of huge work projects during that time because I just don't know exactly how I'm gonna feel. And I definitely want to prioritize nourishing my body and hydration. So I, I get that, right? And I could see how, I don't know, during different phases, you may feel more energized or less energized. But to me, I feel like there is an element of almost creating these different feelings through mental manifestation and or through placebo effect. What if I'm feeling like I want to go socialize and network and I'm in my luteal phase Should I not be doing that because of the fact that it's not aligned with my cycle? I have heard people say stuff like that. I'm not saying everybody. I know there are probably many practitioners that use it as much more of a loose guideline, but there are people out there using that type of intensity around this. The same thing could be said of, what if I have a presentation that I'm doing and it's during my menstrual phase? I'm not going to move around that presentation just because of the fact that it's starting my menstrual cycle. And I, again, have heard people give recommendations like that. Now, the biggest thing that I take issue to with this is really not if people want to focus their different work cycles with their cycle or if they want to change around their movement. It's really the specific foods list because I have seen creators firsthand that have used this in a disordered way. And they basically use it to only focus on eating quote-unquote healthy foods and having rules around their food in general. And it just really bothers me. And I do think it's really harmful. And I've had a lot of people that have even been past clients before that when we were in their counseling they asked me if they should do cycle sinking as they got out of this in their recovery and I'm like why would you want to recover and then add in all of these rules and it is a very slippery slope. For anyone that has ever struggled with disordered eating or an eating disorder, I would not suggest cycle sinking. I would Put the confidence in your body that if you are living intuitively, your body is going to show you what food you should be having, how you should move, what you should do for that day with work. Like, you can trust yourself. You don't need to have guidelines. And I feel like this is just another freaking diet culture rule of, oh, let's now obsess about everything in our cycle and have to do these specific things during that timeline. And I feel the most nervous or sensitive talking about something like this because I know that it is originated by women for women, and I am always for women having bodily autonomy and choosing what it is that they want to do, and I don't want it to come across as me saying that I don't think you should do cycle syncing if it really works for you because everyone is different, but I would be very, very careful and wary of this becoming obsessive and asking yourself how it feels and also asking yourself who it is that you're listening to because when I typed in cycle syncing on TikTok and Instagram, all of the people that came up were nutritionists, people with no credential at all. This These lists that I saw They were from someone that literally had no credential. She just decided to put together recommendations for this. Even influencers know nothing about health. There was not one registered dietitian that I found that was talking about this. And I'm not saying there are none, I'm just saying there was not one that I saw. So I feel much more strongly about cycle syncing specifically especially around the food aspects, because I think it can lead you down a really slippery slope. If you want to align what you like to do during your cycle, I totally get it. If you feel like their recommendations have been helpful, I get it. But it is my duty. That seems so extreme, but I see it as my duty as a dietitian to speak about the things that I think are diet culture in disguise. And honestly, I think this is diet culture in disguise. So I know that's probably going to be something like a lot of people don't like, uh, but I just, I have to say it. So let's talk about what you'll, wow. Can I do this today with the speech? I don't think so. Let's talk about what you guys have said cycle syncing has been like for you and seed cycling? I asked on my Instagram, you're always welcome to participate if you would like to share your thoughts on things. I wish that I had put this up a little bit earlier, so it's only been a couple hours, but here are some things that you guys have said so far about seed cycling and cycle syncing. Maddie said, just Googled seed cycling and it immediately immediately seems like BS. Seeds will not fix your hormones. Carolyn says, can't tell if it's self-care or another way to obsess about your actions and how you eat. Lauren says, is it literally just eating a mouthful of seeds every day? Maddie says, possibly helpful, but for those with an ED or history can lead to restriction and orthorexia. Anne says, don't understand the seeds. (laughs) Someone else says, great, something I use for my clients for menstrual health and gentle nutrition. Julie says, pure moon howling madness and unsubstantiated. Overcomplicated, privileged. Mavi says, what does research and experiences say? I'm curious. Someone else said, I seed cycle and I love it. It helps me recognize which parts of my cycle I'm in and understand. Also helps with my hormonal acne. I've been seed acne, I'm sorry. I've been seed cycling for seven-ish months. A lot of other people asking if it works. And It's crazy how some of the claims there people are saying, like someone said, does it work for weight loss, more energy, diabetes, better gut health, and for your workouts? Because those are all claims that they saw. Kristen says, I like it. It makes me feel better when I have lower energy and I feel more in tune with my body. Sarah says, what the heck is it? And then Hannah says, just another form of obsessive and time consuming control in the name of wellness. So as I said, there's mixed reviews on this, and I also didn't specify between seed cycling and cycle syncing when I asked. I put them both in the same one, so it's hard to say what someone was talking about unless they specified, but what I would say overall to do with this information is, number one, ask yourself, should I be going to the doctor to figure out if I have a more serious problem with my hormones. That's the first thing. If you're dealing with, you know, not having your cycle, a regular cycle, extreme menstrual pain, you need to go in and and check and see, do you have PCOS? Do you have PMDD? Do you have, you know, amenorrhea if you're not having your cycle and why are you having amenorrhea? All of those types of things are really important. Also, if you're listening to this and you have an ED troubles with food, overexercising, and therefore you're not having your period, this is not for you. This is not something that you need to be doing right now. You definitely need to heal 100% before you would even consider something like seed cycling. And I would never suggest doing the cycle syncing personally. Um, that's just my recommendation. I can't tell you what to do. That's just what I would say. Number two, determining what it is that you're wanting to get out of it. So if you feel like you're looking at it in the lens of weight loss or looking a certain way or fixing your hormones or fertility, I feel like just be careful because those claims are not substantiated. If you are looking at this in a way of, you know, I am dealing with some menstrual symptoms. I want to feel more in tune with my body. I want to be more aware of where I'm at in my cycle. I feel like this could be a cool thing to do. It seems less expensive, or it seems like simple and easy for me to incorporate seed cycling specifically. I should mention I'm not talking about cycle syncing right now. I'm talking about seed cycling. Then do it. You know, like do it if it seems like all of those things are aligned. I think that that's the time when it could make sense. Number three, I would watch yourself as you start to initiate the seed cycling. Do you find it to be stressful or obsessive? Do you find it to be easy? Do you feel like the symptoms that you're noticing are beneficial? Most of the time, as I said, I think seed cycling can be pretty harmless, but just make sure that you watch and are in check with it. And then four, just make sure you continually are aware of your cycle and are still getting your regular checkups from your OBGYN and your doctor. Don't use this as basically an end-all, be-all to your hormones being automatically in check. But I don't think you guys would do this. I know you're very smart. I just wanted to at least give that insight and cover my bases in terms of the things I would recommend. With cycle syncing, personally, I just can't recommend it with the levels it goes to for your food. I am biased in that area. I just don't think that it's helpful to feel like you have to think about what it is that you're eating at each phase. I think that it is too slippery of a slope, and there's literally not any research out there to back up the food claims that it makes. So to me, it just seems useless, personally. And I know that's a really strong opinion, but I've just seen so many wellness trends lately that are really just another way to make women obsess about what they eat and their body. And it really, really freaking bothers me. And I think that it's crazy that diet culture takes over something as personal and as complicated as our menstrual cycle and promises all of these different things that could happen, like improved gut health, weight loss, fertility, fixing your hormones, all of that stuff from something that doesn't have any backing behind it. So I just, I can't, I can't agree on it. I am always willing to change my thoughts if there's more research that comes out. I also understand that there are going to be people that have had positive experience with it, just like there are people that have had positive experiences with everything and negative experiences with everything. But although I do believe in the seed cycling aspect, if you would like to do it, or I, I stand behind if it's something that you want to try, I do not stand behind the cycle sinking element of this, at least not in the food aspect. If you want to try it with movement and I guess what you implement, I think it's a little bit less problematic, but I still just worry about where it could go from there. So those are my thoughts. I would say on a zero, oops, oh, sorry. I just moved my headphone on a zero to 10 scale for seed cycling of how diet culture it is. I don't know. I would only give it like a three or so. I don't think it's super diet culturey to add in some seeds to support, maybe even a two, not, not super high. For cycle syncing, I would give it on a scale of zero being the least diet culture or no diet culture at all to 10 being the most. I should have said that at first. I would give cycle syncing like an eight. I think it's diet culture in disguise and I think it's another way to have women constantly obsessing about what they eat, how they look, what their health is instead of being able to just live their life. So hopefully this was helpful and you feel like you have a better idea of how to look at this stuff when you come across it since it's everywhere recently. If you have questions, if you have an experience you wanna share with me, if you have points of confusion that you wanna talk through, always feel free to DM me. If you have a topic that you want us to discuss on the podcast, There is an area on our website to submit your topic request, and we always see those. You can also DM me, but we get an email right when you submit a topic request, so it ensures that we see it, and it's always linked down below in the show notes along with my Instagram, my group coaching program, Live Unrestricted, and we also have something very exciting for Live Unrestricted. Or people that want to learn more as a practitioner how to talk about these topics work with disordered eating and body image. So, I will put the link to that below and should have a podcast on that coming very soon. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being here, and I will see you next week.